It is great to be with you all this morning, and good morning, up. Uh, and you're right, Pastor Mark. Things going on in the world today. It would be good to be reminded from God's Word how we need to be living in the last days. Now we know we're living in the last days, but we've been living in the last days for two thousand years. Paul called the church age the last days. And I'm going to show you just a few slides, and we'll, t we'll rotate through these things quickly. In 1948, a pivotal event in world history geopolitically happened. You'll see this headline on the screen. In 1948, the state of Israel was born in 1948. And God brought them back geopolitically into the land. And the reason that's significant is we see many prophecies in the Bible having to do with the nation of Israel right before Jesus' return. And the, did you know that only 0.2% of Israeli Jews know Jesus as their Lord and Savior today? But does God love them? Does he want them to know him? He does. And we see many promises related to Israel. So we know the fact, and on the next screen we see God is bringing Jewish people back into the land from all over the world. That is just a sign that we are approaching the return of Christ. We don't know when it's going to be, but we know this is a sign. And we need to pray for Israel, but we need to pray for every nation, tribe, and tongue. But God, throughout history, has used Israel as a poster child for humanity. Does Israel deserve to be loved by God? Do we? No. But God has shown his faithfulness to them as a demonstration of his faithfulness to humanity. But the gospel has never only been for the Jew. It has always been for all people. And every person has an individual choice to receive Jesus. But the fact that God is bringing the Jewish people back in the land should show us that we're approaching the return of Christ. The next slide shows us that the world is getting smaller through our technology. Our communication is increasing. Events all over the world can be viewed instantly. Just think about it. About 100, 150 years ago, the first telegram was sent. And then the first phone call. And one of the questions they asked with those inventions, one of the first questions asked through telegraph, through telephone, what hath God wrought, was what the inventors said. I think that was a fitting statement. And we see our world getting smaller and smaller today. We look at the debt in the world. That's our next slide. We see the debt level around. This is just the U.S., but we see that there are economic... I'm not trying to give a political commentary, but the fact that the debt's exploding around the world shows we have economic challenges in the world today. Can I hear an amen? amen? And that economic oppression, that economic depression, the human depravity, the selfishness, it shows us that evil is increasing. Jesus said he would come back and it would be like the days of Noah when he returned. And this debt level is just showing us that we're moving toward the return of Christ. And then this next slide you may see very often. You may see it on CNN. You may see it on Fox News. You may see it on MSNBC. We are a society of news alerts. And we hear the breaking news sound. And we can witness events that are happening all around the world. 150 years ago when people read the book of Revelation and it said that the events right before the return of Christ would be witnessed instantaneously by the world in Jerusalem, people would say, you are crazy. How in the world could people all over the world witness something all the way across the planet at one time? But we can remember on September the 11th, 2001, as we saw together the Twin Towers attacked. And now event after event after event, not only on our televisions, but now on our phones and even our watches, which reminds me to stand up, by the way. 
We have all this technology, don't we? Now, let's look at this next modern invention. How many of y'all had this model? And look at this guy stylishly using one of our early cell phones. And think about how quickly our technology has developed. Now we have the iPhone and we have the Android. And of course, these are already old models. My pictures are already out of date. But Daniel told us before the return of Christ, knowledge would increase. And that people would go to and fro. And we see that prophecy being fulfilled before our eyes. And then around the world, we see poverty like on the next slide. We see people suffering in the hands of corrupt government. We see militaries on the rise. We see words of war happening around the world. And then a culture battle in our mind. Issues that are dividing our country like the unborn in the womb. The safest place in the world. It should be the safest place in the world. And then our world is scarred by racism. And we have battles over marriage. And we see the effects of the sin on the human race. And all of these are just signs. They're birth pangs pointing to the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And even though we see evil increasing in the world, we need to remember that Jesus said it would get dark right before He comes back. And the church is to reflect His light shining in the darkness. So this morning, we're just going to remember, how do we live in these days? We know we're approaching the return of Christ. We know the world seems divided. We know the world is looking for answers. But how do we live in these days? If you're able, let's stand out of respect for reading God's Word. Philippians 1, verses 8 through 11. Listen to what Paul tells us. And by the way, those of you watching online, is that the camera back there that's the online? Oh, both of them. Okay, I'm going to wave this way then. It's great to have you all with us online as well. Let's give a hand for our online family. We love them. Y'all are important to us, and we're glad you're joining us online as well. Listen to what Paul says. For God is my witness... How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge. In other words, he's saying the knowledge of God. And all discernment. So that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Verse 11, he says, Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's how God's people's to look during these days. And over in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, the writer of Hebrews encourages us that in the last days, he says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. Brother Mark, people were skipping church 2,000 years ago. We're not alone, pastors. And I'm so glad we have so many ways to gather today with our technology but he says encouraging one another and all the more as you see what church what's the day the return of Jesus as we see the day drawing near we need to come closer and closer together as God's family and share more and more passionately as he's about to return father we love you thank you for this opportunity to to speak your word today and father I pray that you would push the preacher his flesh out of the way and just speak your words today. Lord, thank you for Uptown Baptist and their faithfulness. Thank you for Pastor Mark. Thank you for Pastor Allen. Lord, thank you for Philip's ministry and the way that he has been honored today, Lord. And as we remember that we're living in the last days, give us joy, passion, urgency. Fill us with hope. Help us to remember the victory is already won. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
Some of you have a sermon guide. If you didn't get one, and if you're watching online, we'll post that on the UBC uh, Facebook group after church today. I'll put those notes out there for you so you have a discussion guide with your family. Here's the first truth. Jesus told us that he would call his church to be with him at a time of his own choosing. When I was a kid, I saw a book, and I grew up in the 80s. I was born in 1979. There was a book called, and maybe some of you pastors remember, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. Well, we saw how that turned out. We are not to know when Jesus is going to return. He is the one who is going to choose when he returns to set up his kingdom. The disciples had the same desire to know when he would come and, and he would make the political enemies bow before him and set up his kingdom on the earth. Look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. Jesus is about to ascend. When they had come together, the disciples were asking Jesus, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? In other words, he wanted Jesus, they wanted Jesus to be the political ruler. And then Jesus said in verse 7, it is not for you to know times or epics. Those are seasons of years. So Jesus already alluded to the fact that it'd be years before he came back, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But then we have verse 8, and this shows us our mission in the last days. He says, you will receive power when who has come upon you? When you come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit makes your heart his home. And he says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. I have a Jewish pastor friend in Israel. His name is Guy Cohen. And I hope someday maybe we can bring him to Uptown when he's here. Because the Lord led him to start a church there, Harvest of Asher. He named it that to see a spiritual harvest in the tribe of Asher in Israel. And he's reaching not just the Jewish people, but Arabs coming to know Christ, people from all over the world coming to know Christ through that church. But when he was standing at our Illinois Baptist office to give us the chapel message last year, he says, isn't it amazing that God has taken the gospel from I.L. Israel to I.L. Illinois? God's promise has come true, hasn't it? And while people wanted Jesus to be the political ruler 2,000 years ago, he said, it's not time for that yet. He says, I want the gospel to go out to all of the earth. And then verse 9, it says, after he had said those things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can you imagine them standing there with their mouths hanging wide open? What was that? And then, verse 11, they said, Men of Galilee, they're standing in the, the, looking at the sky. These two men in white clothing stand beside them. Verse 11, they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. How many of you are ready for Jesus to come back? I'm ready. But I'll have to be honest, Pastor Michael, I am conflicted. And the reason I am is because I want more people to know Jesus before he comes back. So I do want him to come back, but I also want more people. I love that song about the humble carpenter. Because he is building lives. And he's leading people to him according to his time. And we just need to remember that. And we need to remember this morning, God is in control today and current events are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Now, it's, it, it is easy for us as Christians to get obsessed with politics. Is the world obsessed with politics? 
It's easy for us to get obsessed with celebrities. It's easy for us to get obsessed with headlines. But what we need to remember is the geopolitical situations in the world are the background to God. He's already got all that held in his hand. Did you know that history is his story? So he's holding it all together right now. So when we look at the tumult in the world, we see the conflict, we see the debate, God's in control. But for the Christian, that should be the background. We need to be aware of it. We need to speak out on important issues in our society. God is a God of love and justice, and we need to be agents for his justice in our society and love people. But what makes headlines in heaven is when people come to know God's Son, Jesus Christ. And we are on mission to lead people to Christ. And even though current events are setting the stage, our role is to lead people to Christ. Now, this is my personal understanding of the Scripture, this next point. The rapture of the church is imminent, and it could occur at any time. When Jesus calls His church to be with Him and ushers in those final events before His return. Now, even in our own Illinois Baptist family, we've got some different interpretations of that truth. Some think the rapture could, like me, I believe it could happen any time. I believe that I could not get this message done and Jesus could call us to be with him. And you'd have a lot better preaching then. Some believe that it will happen halfway through the final seven years of tribulation that's in the scripture. Some believe it will happen as Jesus returns. I love what Adrian Rogers told us. He said, we are not on the arrangements committee for Jesus' return. We are on the welcome committee. Amen. But I believe whenever it is, it's soon. And because of that, and we see the early church, they were living in anticipation that he could return at any time. So much so that that church in Thessalonica was upset when believers in the Lord started passing away. And so we get this doctrine of the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. He talks about us being caught up with the Lord Verse 13, he says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. Those are people who have passed away that know the Lord, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now look at verse 15. Fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a change, brothers and sisters, is those who have gone on to be with Jesus or believers on the to their new bodies without experiencing physical death. So let me tell you this morning, the promise is, if you don't know Jesus, you are guaranteed a physical death and a spiritual death. But if you do know Jesus, you only go through physical death, maybe. Because there will be, because there will be a group that will not experience physical death. But if you do as a believer, it's just a gateway to glory. And as my grandmother said before she died, when I was in the third grade, she said, Scotty, I'm a winner either way. And that stuck with me and it made me give my life to Jesus because I realized I knew about him, but I didn't know him like she did. And Paul tells us in verse 17, he says, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together. That's the, the Latin word is rapturo, caught up. The Greek word is harpazo, but the Latin is rapturo, and that's where we get the word rapture. So those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then how long are we with Him? Always. 
we will always be with the Lord. And church, we need something to look forward to. We do have abundant life today when we live with Jesus. But we need to remember our best life is not now. It's later. It's coming. It's a great life now with Jesus. But we're just passing through. And our greatest citizenship is in heaven. I love my country. It is not perfect. It is not perfect. But I'm thankful for my country. But I'm first a citizen of heaven. And we need to remember that we're leading people to come to Christ. And look at what Paul says in verse 18. We need to come back to this passage a lot, Brother Mark, because he says, therefore comfort one another with these words. When we're going through trials, when a loved one goes on to glory, when we are experiencing spiritual warfare, we need to comfort one another with the truth that Jesus is going to return and we're going to be with Him. And then, let's look forward to the return of Christ. Just to remember what it's going to look like when Jesus does physically come to set up His kingdom here on the earth. Look at Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. John says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns. That word diadem just means crown. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. That's how holy our God is. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. You've got to remember, this is the same John writing Revelation that wrote John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And this is in God's Word, by God's design, to teach you Jesus is the Word of God. And He's not just a good man. Jesus is God Himself. And look who comes behind Jesus. Verse 14, And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Who is that? If you know Jesus, you can raise your hand. And how many of you know how to ride a horse? All I know how to do is fall off of one. But on this day, when Jesus returns, we'll know what to do. And we're going to come back with him. And these, these robes that we get to wear, white and clean, we don't deserve them. It's not based on our righteousness. He's going to impute his righteousness to us, right? He's already done that if you know Jesus is your Lord. And then look at verse 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Church, I think in times like these we just need a reminder. Who's on the throne and who's coming back? And it's coming soon. We are rapidly approaching the return of Christ. So knowing that, how do we live? Here's our truths. We're going to go through quickly. First of all, God wants us to have lives that are pure. In other words, we need to have a childlike faith. I love my nine-year-old Liz. She loves to point out simple things. She says, look, Daddy, look at how that tree spreads out as it goes up. That's, God made it that way so it could get the sun and it could give us the air we need to breathe. We need childlike faith, don't we? Adults, a moment of confession. Don't we make things too complicated? Don't we get biases that are sinful in our lives and spiritual strongholds build up? God wants us to live lives that are pure. Philippians 1, 9 and 10, Paul says, I pray this that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of 
of Christ. We need to be pure. Here's another truth. God wants us to be faithful in His church. Thank you for being here this morning and being faithful in His church. Back here too in, the, in this section, it's such a blessing. I can just turn around all the way. I need to do that more, don't I? But all these faithful folks, thank you that are watching online. And you're being faithful to take in the Word of God. And, and when, to be faithful doesn't mean to be perfect. I like your, your, your motto, UBC Real. He wants us to be real. And just one day at a time, follow Him. Hebrews, again, verses 24 and 25 of chapter 10. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We need to come together as God's family. And not as a ritual, but a real, genuine relationship with other people. So lives that are pure, we need to be faithful. Here's the next one. God wants us to be filled with contagious joy. How do you spell joy? This is not in your outline, but you might want to write it. J, Jesus first. Somebody said it, I liked it. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. But you know what? When you do that, you're really putting yourself first because you're going to get what God wants for you and that's the best anyway. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. I have to put that on my dashboard of my car a lot of times <laughs> to remember. You know, we need to put others first and we need to be filled with contagious joy. This place does not need to feel like a place of the frozen chosen when a guest comes in. It does not need to, and of course right now I know our masks are hiding our faces, but we don't need to look like we were baptized in lemon juice or weaned on dill pickles, although my children love, I, that's the, one of the fastest things that will go in my house is a jar of dill pickles. But we don't need to look like that's what we were weaned on. We need to have joy, and you all are doing that. Praise God, you're open. Did you know we have some churches in Illinois right now that still can't meet in person quite yet? And y'all are taking advantage of the opportunity God's given you and you're reaching out. We need to have contagious joy. And here's another truth. God wants us to love people, not just love them though. He also wants us to, as we love them, share the love of Jesus with them. Love without truth is worthless. And truth without love is worthless. You know, Jesus was the perfect blend of truth and love, isn't he? Think about, think about him, because that's what set him apart from those other Jewish leaders. Those Jewish leaders, some of them had entire books of the Old Testament memorized in Hebrew. They were experts, but they didn't have love for people. They didn't love the Lord if they didn't have a relationship with him. Jesus had truth and love. He has that today. He's alive today. And he wants to live that truth and love through us. And we see Paul reminding us of this in Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11 again. He says over in verse 10, we'll skip to verse 10. He says, approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless. That word blameless, we can't be blameless in our own strength. We're blameless when we are forgiven. And when we stay close to the Lord, He helps us live His life through us. Does that make sense? You can't be righteous in your own strength. We're blameless when we're forgiven and we're able to live Jesus' life through us when we get close to Him and let Him take control of our lives. And then look at verse 11. He says, Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. 
Now this next one's important because we're living in it today. We must not allow Satan and the flesh to distract us with earthly pursuits. Do you know why Satan is on the march today? He knows his days are numbered. He knows his time is running out. I wish I had a countdown clock on my desk. But God doesn't give us that exact time. But Satan knows his days are running out. And one of my things that I pray for is, Lord, use my life and use the life of Illinois Baptist to make Satan mad. I like to keep him mad. And you know what? God created the devil. He's infinitely more powerful than him. But we need to remember, we don't fight the devil in our own strength. We can't do it. We depend on Jesus. And when Satan knocks on the door, you be close to Jesus. You let Jesus answer that door and Satan will go running. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Peter says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Brother Philip, as you go into ministry, Satan has a bullseye on you. And I don't want to scare you. But it's true. And that's why you need to stay close to the Lord. He's going to tempt you. He's going to try to draw you astray. If you're a believer, Satan knows he can't take your soul. But he will try to paralyze your ministry and ruin your testimony. And lessen your impact for him. We need to be aware of that in these last days. In Romans chapter 6, Paul said in verses 12 through 14, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body as to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And look at verse 14. He says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You see, when we're set free, who becomes our owner? We're set free from sin, but who owns us? Jesus. And does he just own 10%? He owns us all, doesn't he? And we're blessed. And as Philip taught us, he was already preaching this morning. He said, well, if we've got gifts, we need to share them. Our times, our, our talents, our relationships, our finances, everything we have... It's not supposed to get all uh, brought up into a pond and get all moldy. It's supposed to be flowing like a wonderful healing stream. God's love and His blessings. And, and all of our blessings are just tools to reach people. Here's our next truth. We should be salt and light with our lives. Salt is a preserving agent. Have you ever had country ham? Okay. That's a big thing in, down in Tennessee, and it's preserved with salt because they didn't really have another way to preserve it. That's what they used with salt. And we are to be a preserving agent in our culture, pointing people to Christ. But salt is also gives taste to your food. How many of you like, like food with no salt at all? All right, good. Some, some do like no salt, but I have to have some. I have to confess. And what Jesus says is if we get out of love with him, we're not going we're, we're to draw people to the Lord. And you know what salt does too? It makes people thirsty. And we want to make people thirsty for the gospel and for Jesus, the water of life. And we also need to be light with our lives. And we don't make our own light. The moon is up there in the sky every night to remind us we're living right now in the night. The sin has brought a curse on this world. And we are reflecting the light of Jesus. We don't generate the light. We reflect the light. But when Jesus returns, the morning is coming. Amen.
And the Bible teaches us there will be no more night. Here's Matthew 5. Jesus said in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. By the way, I love pulling in on Wilson and seeing this beautiful church. It's a light. You are a light. And your light can't be hidden. Verse 15, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, this is a command from the Lord. This is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. Hear me this morning. Maybe it's afternoon by now. It's afternoon now. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We need to be salt and we need to be light. And then this brings us to our final truth, which is so important too. If you haven't heard anything, listen to this. You cannot be a part of God's church and experience eternal life unless you surrender your life to Jesus. You need to be born again. And Jesus is about to come back, but it's going to happen in his time. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. God through Peter says this, he says, Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like one day. The Lord has allowed this evil world to go on for a while. And many times we ask God, God, why are you letting evil people seem to win? Why do you let bad things happen to good people? Why is the church persecuted in the world today? But we see his reasoning here, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is what? Patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for who? All to come to repentance. The reason Jesus hasn't returned yet is He wants someone else to be saved. He wants more people to be born again. From every nation, tribe, and tongue. I love all these languages that surround us this morning. To remind us that the gospel is to go out to every nation, tribe, and tongue. And listen to God's promise. It's coming out from this pulpit at Uptown Baptist today. And his promises to you. This verse is found in the Bible in the book of Joel, in the book of Acts, and in the book of Romans. Romans 10, 13. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Those of you who know Jesus... Are you giving out that invitation to others? Maybe you think God can't use you. That's a lie from the devil. He wants to use you. And don't worry about getting it right exactly according to how you might prepare. Just share the gospel. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. He's faithful, isn't he? And this morning, there may be someone in this room. You may be in the sanctuary. You may be over here in our overflow area. You may be watching online. You may be listening to this message. Whenever you are, this is a divine appointment from God for you. If you've not given your life to Jesus, you listen to me. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Jesus created you for heaven. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He didn't create hell for people. That's created for Satan and for the demons. God doesn't want people to go to hell. He came and died so that you can have eternal life.
Why would you reject that amazing offer of God's forgiveness that we don't deserve? The Lord loves you. You can admit to God that you're a sinner. And you can say, Lord, I know I've sinned and I deserve hell. You, you can believe that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead and thank him for that. But, and then you just very simply call on Jesus. When I was nine, what I did was I had been taught by my Sunday school teacher, Miss Lingo. Every week she told us how we could give our life to Jesus. And my mama, I knew I needed to give my life to Jesus because I wanted to have the same Jesus that my mama had as she was fighting cancer. And mom, mama said, son, do you want me to pray with you and help you know how to pray? I said, no, mama, Miss Lingo taught me what to do. So you Sunday school teachers, you make a difference. And I just said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell, but thank you for Jesus. And thank you for sending him to die for me. And I said, Lord, please forgive my sin. And Lord, just take control of my life. Help me to give my life to you. I didn't say it perfectly. But at that moment, I was saved. And now I'm 41. And I've never been the same. And you'll never be the same. You can be nine. You can be 90. And you can come to Christ. Brother Mark, I want to invite you to come. I'll close in prayer. And then if you want to invite anyone to come... If you do want to give your life to Christ, his invitation is open to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of preaching here at Uptown today. And Lord, thank you for your offer of forgiveness to all people. You know the worst thing we've ever done and you know the worst thing we've ever thought and you still love us and you offer your forgiveness. I pray that if there's anyone here that needs to begin a relationship with you, they will do that. They can do that. And bless this sweet church now and in the days to come. And thank you for every person who's experienced worship with us together today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Pastor Mark. In the morning when I rise in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Dark midnight was my cry Dark midnight was my cry Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Oh
give you the glory we give you the honor we give you the praise you are so worthy and we just need you that's why we say give me jesus we need you and you alone and so lord help us strengthen us carry us and use us 
Use us to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. And so, Lord, help us to share both love and truth. Love and then the truth of the gospel. And be glorified. Go with us now, Lord. Protect us. Use us. Until we gather again next Sunday. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can see family. Ushers will lead you out. And uh, thank you for coming today.